Hello again, podcast listeners. This is the latest educational podcast, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, and this is our next episode. This is a podcast by high school principals for high school principals, but it's also for all educators of Georgia. I'm your host, Jim Finch, and I am the principal of Mary Persons High School located in Forsyth, Georgia. Our mission and vision of this project is to interview high school principals across our state for the sake of professional learning. Thanks for listening to the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, and feel free to use the preferred format of your listening. And don't forget to like, listen, and share. Today's podcast is Season 1, Episode 13. And for this episode, we are interviewing none other than Dr. Tim Huff, who is the principal at Bremen High School in Bremen, Georgia. How are you today, Dr. Huff? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. So for our podcast listeners, it is worthy to note that Tim and I are actually related. Tim's mother and I are first cousins, which means he and I are first cousins once removed, since his grandfather and my daddy were brothers. So age-wise, we're pretty much the same generation, but genealogically speaking, his mother and I are actually the same generation. But no, I haven't resorted to having to use family members for the podcast guests. (laughs) I didn't start off with them, and I haven't run out of enough guests, but Tim Huff does a fantastic job. Uh, at Bremen High School, running one of the best high schools in the state. If a lot of you know, uh, Bremen is located on the uh, western portion over on the uh, Alabama state line, and uh, they've had a lot of success over there. So with all of our uh, guests, we go through a couple of of questions before we get into the topic. So Tim, if you could just kind of go over your educational resume and your background for our listeners. All right. Uh, I'm from South Georgia. I went to graduate high school. I went to Abraham Baldwin in Tipton. I went there for a couple of years and then went to Valencia State. I loved it down there. Uh, I got my secondary science degree from Valencia State, taught science for a few years uh, over in Lanier County, returned back to Valencia State because it was just right there my back door where I was living in Lanier. I uh, got my master's degree and then went on to get my doctorate degree. Um, you know, after I, uh, I was in Lanier for seven years, um, just about done with my doctorate when I got an opportunity to, to uh, move into a principal role in Turner County, which was my hometown. Uh, I got to go back home and, and be an elementary principal. I did that for six years. Uh, learned, uh, I can't tell you how much I learned. It was a, a great experience. I learned so much. I'd never, I had no elementary experience going into that job, and I was surrounded by some great people that taught me a lot about teaching and learning. Um, then I moved to, you know, to just a few blocks over to the high school, did that for a few years. I was there for three years at the high school in Turner uh, before applying uh, in Bremen, and, and now I've been here for seven years. Uh, uh, short and sweet, I guess, you know, I, haven't, I haven't been a lot of places, just been in three three districts so far, uh, but had good opportunities in each of those to get great experience. Uh, I've been a uh, high school science teacher, um, I've been a, a vocational director, assistant principal, transportation director. Uh, and then elementary, principal, high school, and an athletic director. So a lot of experience in a short amount of time, and um, just thankful for, for many opportunities to, to grow. Seven years in Bremen. I didn't know it had been that long, but that's, yeah, uh, yeah. and I guess I wasn't aware that you had such a wide range of duties and responsibilities there. That, that covers a lot of things. And, uh, you know, a lot of times working in the smaller school systems like you worked in, um, you have to wear a lot of hats in those places. 
We do. And Lanier, uh, I would say that was, that was a huge challenge, uh, for, for two years. I was the high school assistant principal vocational director and assistant transportation director. And, you know, it was a small district. We only had, I think about 25 or 30 bus routes. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a huge, uh, system, but that is a huge job. My hat's off to all transportation directors. They have a, they have a, they have a challenging job. I learned a lot about dealing with parents. In, in those two years of that position, uh, I, I don't take that for granted. I, I, I love our bus drivers, and I, my hat's off to anyone that's managing transportation. Absolutely. As with all of our guests, we uh, start to talk about the why. So, why is it that you do what you do, Tim? Uh, just you know, grew up, I grew up in a family that uh, my mom and my dad were servant leaders. I mean, it, you know, we were constantly doing things for other people, and. Uh, you know, we, we, you, you come in our house and you always knew that, uh, that, that there was a project going on that was intended to help someone else. And, yeah, it just grew over into to what, you know, what I do. Uh, I, I love working with people. I love, uh, you know, encouraging them, helping them get better. Um, you know, I, my motto is to leave things better than I find them. And, and, you know, that's not an insult by the way things are because, you know, I, I moved into Bremen. It was a great situation. Um, but but I do think that you know I've had some influence on the the culture here and, and, and made some some improvements even though it was already excellent before I got here. So I mean I think any situation there's there's just room for growth and so you know that's just I try to live by that leave things better than I find them. What about career aspirations? You got any next steps that you've been thinking about? Well, I'm, I'm currently uh, participating in a two year program through GSSA, the Georgia School Superintendents Association. Um, you know, I, I do have aspirations, or at least I think I do, of being a superintendent one day. Um, I'm not in a rush to do that. I really love what I'm doing. Um, I, I, I enjoy being a high school principal. I enjoy being around the, the teachers and the, and the staff and the, and the students. And I, I do worry that I would miss that at, at the system level. So, you know, it, when I move to district level, or if I ever do, uh, I, I'm still have to have a way to be involved with um, you know, being around people, um, you know, all the time. I mean, it is obviously you, you, those positions do require you to be around people, but it's different people. I, I, I love working with students. I love working with, with our staff. So, um, yeah, that, I do have aspirations and, and I want to be ready. So I, I, I signed up for this class through GSSA just so when I have the opportunity, I'll be prepared. I mean, I, the turnover superintendents is crazy. I mean, they don't, they, they don't last long. I think there's already about 10 openings this year. Uh, in Georgia, and there's you know, with more expected, and that's that's crazy turnover. Some of those are retirement, but others, I mean, are not. As people are getting out of out of it, or or they're they're changing positions. Um, so you know, when, when I get somewhere, I want to I want to be prepared to stay there. I, I don't like to move around a lot. I, I've been in three three districts, and and uh, you know, in, in what, 23, 24 years, and uh, you know, whenever I whenever I go into that position, I, I hope to retire in that position. I, I don't, I'm not looking to climb a ladder and. You know, I want to go be attached to a community wherever I'm at, and um, so I, I, so I do have aspirations. I'm just not sure when that's going to take place. Sure. Talk about your family, hobbies, or any special interests, and and all the previous guests have always chuckled a little bit when we talked about this because, you know, the demands of the job of high school principal doesn't leave a lot of family time, doesn't leave a lot of special interests <laughs> no, and hobby no, no, time. So we used to. We used to be really into camping. We we went uh, at least once a month. When I was elementary principal, that worked out great. No extracurricular. We made sure that we were we were in that camper somewhere on the road uh, at least one weekend a month and a couple weeks during the summer. Um, not so much as a high school principal. It's just hard to schedule around those things. So we're not we're not camping anymore. Uh, but we picked up a new hobby as a family. Is uh, you know, I think it was seven years ago. Got invited on a mission trip uh, from a, with a church here in, in Bremen. Uh, 
if you go to Honduras and we, uh, we just fell in love with that. Uh, we, we moved it over to the high school. We, we ran it through SCA for a while and we, we, we carry a trip of students spring break and summer. Um, we, we carry about, you know, a team of around 30 over spring break. We're not doing it through the school anymore, but we are still doing it here locally and just expanding it out. You know, we, we, we go through a local nonprofit. Uh, but we, you know, we've opened the doors to, you know, to high school kids, not necessarily from Bremen, but just high school kids if they want to go be a part of that. Uh, so that's our hobby now. I mean, it's really, we work all year. Uh, my son and I have a little, few little yards we cut on the side to help pay for the, you know, pay for tickets. My, my daughter is, is she has a job. And I mean, our, our, the money we make for those things is just, it goes to giving us the opportunity to, to go to Honduras a couple times a year and, and make an impact over there. So that, that's, it's, it's pretty time consuming, even though we're only there for two weeks out of the year. Uh, there's a lot of work during the year that, that makes that, makes that happen. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, uh, moving into the topics of, uh, today's podcast and, uh, conversation with Dr. Huck, they're going to be school safety, okay. curriculum assessment and instruction, professional learning communities. And as with all of our podcast guests, uh, we have some advice for aspiring leaders. So let's go ahead and just dive on into some of the uh, questions right. and the topics that we have. Um, you know, the, the governor um, gave all the schools $30,000 grant uh, in last year's uh, legislative budget. Uh, what, what were some of the innovative things that y'all did with your, with your grant money uh, from the governor to improve your school safety there? Uh, we're in an old facility that was built in the 1950s, so you know we had we had some we had a camera system here, but it was a you know, pretty antiquated. Um, so we have a we have a state of the art camera system that's that that's throughout our our, um, our building now. We have we've added some gates and things like that. That uh, you know an old building that uh, that, has, that used to actually serve as two separate schools. It used to be you know Bremen High School, and it was also uh, Sewell Middle School that was that was here. So there's lots of entrances. Uh, and very, you know, it's kind of hard to, to control uh, entry into the building. So we we added some gates and things that, that establish what the front of our building will be and, and how visitors and even students enter the building in the mornings. Uh, that seems little, but that was a you know, just breaking breaking habits. That was a that was a, a harder thing to do than uh, than it seems. But uh, that that is routine now. That has helped. Um, we have a, a check-in system. Um, we are, you know, we are uh, in the process of implementing that Centegics program, uh, where you know, teachers have a little security card that you know, they can they can press and alert that they would they can lock the school down, they can call for security, that uh, you know, let administrators know that they need help. Um, you know, we're, we're in the process of putting that that in now, but the majority of our money was spent on cameras. So, when do you feel like the alert system will be uh, fully functional for y'all there? Uh, our elementary and middle, I think they're actually pretty close to it now. The high school, uh, it will be a little bit slower because we're looking at a major renovation, uh, in a, a year from now, a year and a half from now. Uh, we've just, our building is old and we've, we've outgrown it. We have, we're looking at our enrollment coming up from the elementary and middle and we've got some larger classes that are on the way that we're going to have a hard time handling here at the high school just in a building that, uh, you know, we've just seen such growth here in, in, in our community. It's going to, it, it's going to, it will be challenges. And so, you know, assuming that the splash passes, we 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 plan to do a major renovation over here that would add a, a very large facility, um, a three-story building. You know, what we're hoping for. Um, so, you know, you know, some of the stuff we would probably wait and, and put in on the new facility because that'll be in the in the very you know near future. And when you look at a couple of years down the road, that's that's still in, in school terms. That's that's 
pretty close. That's pretty soon. There's a lot of planning going into that now. So I don't think we would spend a lot of money uh, on our current facility that, that would then be replaced. Makes sense. Um, but, we, but we will have the Centegics, but we'll, just, we'll have the cards and things like that, but we won't necessarily have all the, the, the I guess, the bells and whistles maybe that, that the elementary and middle school have. But, um, but they, they started over there, and they're working towards us. Uh, so we'll, we'll just see. Uh, you know, we'll, we've all been through the training on that. We'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, I like the concept of it because it, it gives us an easy way to, you know, it gives every teacher in the building the, the quick access to security. When you kind of reflect over your 24-year career, uh, what kind of changes or stories might you have from Lanier to Turner to now Bremen in relation to, to school safety? What's, what, what's some kind of wild thing that may have occurred back then that we would never do now because of school safety? Is there, is there anything that you can remember? Uh, um. You know, when I started out, you know, we, we you know, early on, we, we, were, we just were so strongly discouraged, uh, students and staff, you know, communicating through cell and social media. Uh, you know, it was a big push not to do that. And, you know, here I would say just the opposite. I mean, you know, safety is really all, it, it, it's not all about communication. It is largely about communication. Um, you know, when something bad is going to happen, most of the time, someone else knows, and you know when they have an avenue to, to let you know that, uh, and you have you know you have good trust and relationships with your students and, and your parents, then uh, most of the time they're going to let you know those kind of things. Um, you know, when I was at Turner, I started this where where every student in the school had my cell phone. Um, you know, those that were willing to share, I had theirs as well, and and we we did a lot of communication that way. Um, and you know, I can remember <laughs> I got a text one day because we we had it set up so if, if there were issues that happened at the, at the building, you know, I just said seniors, y'all let it happen, you know. So we had we had, they had a they had an hour lunch, and if something bad happened, we we kind of went on lockdown. You had a thirty minute lunch, you know, seniors, you you know, you're you're the leaders here, and when something bad happens, we as leaders we suffer together sometimes. So uh, the rule was that you know if there was a fight or something on campus, then you then you know ultimately you let it happen. So. Uh, I, I, one of the funniest times was I, I got, you know, I, I got a text from a, a student that had this fixed to be a fight, and you know, and I was able to get there and, and resolve that issue. It never happened. Um, you know, it, it it really turned into kind of, a, you know, it's kind of comical because you know, the other principals couldn't believe the kid called me and told me that was going to happen. But you know, over the years, it's actually happened multiple times. Um, here in, in Bremen. Uh, I, I really do have. If a student has a cell phone and and they and they register that phone number, I, I, mean, I have their number in my cell phone. Uh, they have mine. Um, you know, the, our past few graduations, are, I've been uh, joked on pretty hard. And their valedictorian and salutatorian speeches is, you know, that, that they get more text from me than they do their parents. Um, but I, I believe when we build that trust and, and they know that they, that they can contact me when 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 something's going on. And I can contact them if I need to get information to them. If it's a big deal, I mean, then I call them in. But if it's just a, you know, hey, you, you need, you know, get, get to school on time, I can shoot that over in a text and and and, and handle that without ever, them ever losing losing any class time. So I, I think communication. I would say the big a big difference now in communication is that that we would here bring we've embraced the we've embraced the the communication with uh, with students and staff where. You know, ten years ago, I probably would have said, hey, "Absolutely, don't do that." All right. I mean, that just shows but, how much. But I will we... say, you know, one thing that I do with uh, with cell phones, my, my, my memory in those has to be eaten up because I don't ever, do, you know, I never delete text messages. 
So when you know I'm communicating with kids, uh, I don't ever want there to be an opportunity for something to be taken out of context. So uh, you know, you know, great things can be taken out of context and misrepresented. So you know, every conversation that that I've ever had, you know, text conversation I've ever had with a kid about any anything, um, you know. It's it's still on the phone, and I, I keep those phones. And you know, if there's a question that ever comes up, I just, and I just do that for home security. Never come up, never been an issue. Um, you know, parents appreciate the fact that their kids can get a hold of me when when they need them. Well, that, I was just about to say that you know we've really turned around on technology and handheld devices uh, based on you know the anecdote you just shared with us. As far as you know, I've, I've worked in districts where. You know, it was almost like we shook kids upside down just to see if they had a cell phone on them. Now, and <laughs> I, I with know, smartphone I technology, back, you it's... Know, earlier in my administrative career, and you know, when you have absolute rules, you cannot have a, you know, no cell phones at school, and it, every kid at our school just about has a cell phone. I mean, I, I'm not saying they all do, but the majority of them do. Um, you know, we we do have some some rules that put the teacher in charge during the class. You know, which is something you, know, you can't have my class unless the teacher says you can have my class. Uh, I mean. Cell phones today—they're they're computers. They're—I they're, mean—they're—they're they're not just phones. They are definitely computers, and they're—they're—they're organizers. They're, I mean, they're just—you're carrying around a computer with you. So, some teachers embrace the technology. Uh, in some classrooms, you walk in and, and they have uh, old calculator holders on the walls. I, you know, and you, you you check your phone in there when you walk in the class, and you check it—you know—you check it out. And you know, in that class, that's what works for them. In another class, you know, that teacher may be using that as a part of instruction. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of trust there to lot to make that happen. And some days it may be they can have them handheld, and some days they have to be sitting in the little cell phone caddy. That's right. Um, it depends on what's going on that day. True. Yeah, you know, we almost never have um, phone referrals anymore because of that. I mean, That's when we right. give we give the teachers the authority to handle that in the class uh, instead of just having an absolute zero tolerance policy, and you know we won't get you know I bet we won't have ten you know phone incidents, I mean, incidents a year. I mean, it really, it really just about eliminated phone issues by putting that authority back with teachers and let them, let them control that. Well, that's a perfect segue into our next topic, which is going to be te- basically teaching and learning, which curriculum instruction and assessment. And about 15, 20 years ago, you know, we had a big movement here, especially in the state of Georgia, about moving to standards-based uh, classroom and, and um, really paying attention to standards and how those got unpacked and presented to students. And along with that, notion uh, the ideas of uh, of common planning and common assessment uh, begin to thrive a little bit more in high schools and we stopped operating as as silos and we started putting English teachers you know in proximity of each other and then carving out time where they can sit and plan and and think about what the instructional strategy is going to be and then think about uh, what the assessments going to be and and how to map that curriculum out so all of that has been uh, taken shape form, you know, since the early 2000s, at least in, in my observation. So do you have some type of common planning or common assessment expectation there at Bremen? We, we do not have common planning. Uh, we, we, we actually plan on trying to get that built into our schedule for next year. Um, we are, you know, right now we have about eight teachers on extended day that really make that hard. Um, we're going to do some, some we're, we're, we're doing some, making some changes in how we're doing our master schedule for next year. Uh, so I, I hope we're able to, to give us, ourselves a little bit of freedom uh, with scheduling that will allow that. Uh, I know there's going to be some times that it won't work out, but that, that's our goal. Uh, we do meet uh, monthly with departments. Uh, our, our assistant principal, we have a great assistant principal for, for uh, teaching and learning. 
that uh, she and I meet with them, but she coordinates those meetings. And uh, we have vertical alignment meetings, you know, by department, you know, our whole system, just making sure that we have a common plan, you know, going all the way through from, you know, from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And those are, those are great meetings. Um, but we, we don't have, we don't have common plan at, at this point. I hope we can get it. Um, common assessments really haven't been an issue for us because we, we, we generally only have one teacher that's teaching a specific class or subject. Um, this year we have several that are teaching a, a, a common class in social studies and, and we're working towards, towards that. I mean, so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe a little behind the curve. I don't know. You know, it's just, we haven't done that because we haven't had the opportunity to do that because our teachers really, they're, they're teaching, most teachers are teaching, they're the only ones that are teaching that class. Sure. Well, I wouldn't say y'all were the uh, behind the curve or anything, because if anybody's been paying attention to CCRPI data, Bremen uh, yeah, City Schools. Yeah, when I, when I say that, I don't mean that. They oh, I know, but Bremen City Schools is leading the state. Doing something just to do it, and you know, we have not, we have not like just jumped on board saying that Absolutely. you have to have, you know, common assessments because everybody in the state's doing common assessments. Sure. I mean, we, we, you know, like you said, we, we're looking at our scores, and our, our scores are great, and we will, you know, we want to keep improving. Um, and if we thought that was the thing that was going to make you know bump us up to the next level, we would we would be doing that. Um, you know, I I don't know that that's necessarily uh, the the right thing. I'd rather them build really good assessments that they are using, uh, you know, year semester to semester, year to year. They're they're constantly enhancing those when they see that it's a good assessment uh, that they can add to or things that need to be changed. I, I'd much rather build good assessments that they that they that they continue to build on. Right. Let's talk about lesson plans. Uh, do you require lesson plans there at Bremen? I, we do not, um, and you know, that was a you know some some a shift in thinking. You know, coming from uh, from South Georgia and, and and Turner, where for a while we did require lesson plans. Um, you know, I, I don't say we don't ever require them for our new teachers. We do. Uh, we, we require for the first year. Um, we use that that learning focused you know, format, the EADS format, um, but. For most of our teachers, no. Now, if you know if a teacher was struggling, I may ask them, "Hey, you know, shoot me your lesson plans. I'd like to see it and you know, give some feedback on those." Sure. Um, but that's not a, but that's not a, you know, not a practice that we require them to turn in uh, all the time. You know, it, it's so much easier now with 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 Google Classroom, with with Google Docs, things that if you want to share between you know between students and between teachers and administrators, uh, you know, when you need them, you can you can. They can share the link. It's just it's so much easier to do now than it was. You know, back when you and I went through it, and you had to every Monday morning you had to turn in, or on Friday before you left, you had to turn in your written plans for the next week. And, That's right. I mean, realistically, life just happens, and things come up during the week where, or you know, teaching moments come up, and and you may not follow that plan strictly. I'd, I'd much rather them, I mean, like teach than, than write lesson plans. Right. Um. So that kind of moves us into the next. Uh, section here for teaching and learning what are some best ways in which you monitor the the uh the best practices for instruction there in your classrooms uh, obviously we do observations and we try to spend a lot of time in going in classes but you know communication with teachers is uh is invaluable i mean sit down at lunch and have those conversations that you know about what's going on in class uh what you know, have a relationship of trust where you know teachers can tell you hey i tried this and it really didn't work um, you know, sometimes doing the right thing doesn't work. Doesn't mean it won't work the next time. I mean, you know, sometimes you know, I'm just just t- good teaching. I mean, uh, your best laid plans sometimes are, are, are you know, they don't work out the way that you had planned. So, 
you know, I, I think you know, just communication is the best way. I mean, obviously, you got to look at the scores and look how look how students are growing and achieving, and um, you know, comparing them year to year. You know, is, even though you're, you're you're comparing different groups of kids, there ought to be you know, ought to be able to see some some level of consistency and and hopefully even growth, but definitely consistency from year to year. Um, um, but you know, I, I still think communication is is key. Um, you know, listen to students. Uh, you know, I I, I love just having conversations with students sitting at the, at the table with them at lunch or, you know, talking in the hallways. And, you know, when they're frustrated in, in a class, uh, sometimes the teacher might not even realize they're frustrated with, with a, you know, with what's going on. And they might not know how to, how to voice that, that concern. So, I mean, my goal is not to, not to voice it for them, but, uh, but to help them voice that concern or that, that question and, you know, learn, you know, knowing how to go about asking questions and getting clarification. And then, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I help them have those conversations with teachers. And then other times I may be one that has that conversation when you start hearing patterns, you know, of a, you know, of, of, a, of a common theme. Um, but again, it's all about communication. Well, speaking of common theme, just listening to some of your answers there. I kind of discern a, a, a culture of risk taking that you allow for your uh, teachers I mean, and your kids yeah, and embracing I mean, mistakes. Teachers, I mean, I you know that that whole idea of public support that they've got to have it, they got to know that you have their back. Um, and, you know, they've got to know that it, it's okay to, to try something new instructionally. And you know, I, I love it when a teacher um, trusts me enough to say, "Hey, I'm trying this on, on this day. Will you, will you, you know, will you come in and watch?" And, you know, not for an observation necessarily, but just to come see. Uh, I had a teacher this this week that, that had an activity going on, and um, it, and he invited our assistant principal to come up, and he just, just wanted to come see the you know, the lesson, see how it went, give him feedback, and yeah, you know, that that's that's trust when you can do that, and you know, I can't change the role I'm in, and you know, just just like with my boss, my boss is superintendent, and he and, and he's he's unbelievably supportive. But, you know, it still gives you that little bit of nervousness when, you know, when you go into that, in that meeting with, with the superintendent. So I know with teachers it's the exact same way. And, you know, regardless of how much we try to, uh, make them feel 100% of these, you know, they're probably never 100%. Uh, but I would say that ours are, are more comfortable than most. And, and, uh, and, and I want that to get even better. I, I want them to know that, I mean, every time we're, we're with them, our, our goal is to, is collectively to get better and, and, and just to do a great job. So, that you know, have a trust uh, of risk taking, uh, have trust in them to utilize their time and, and utilize uh, the resources. And you know when they're asking to make purchases, you, you know trust them that they're that they're not just buying junk. They're buying. I mean they're buying what they need to, to do a great job in the classroom. So uh, definitely a, a culture of trust here. Well, that's good. And our transitions today from topic to topic has been pretty smooth. And so that takes us right into professional learning community because it sounds as though, Tim, you've uh, done a very good job of establishing that community there. So to you as a, as a principal, somebody that's been doing it for a long time and led several different schools and, and worn many different hats, what do you think it means to be a professional learning community in high school? Um, to be able to share, I think it means that you can share ideas uh, you know, without fear of, of saying the wrong thing. Uh, to ask questions without, you know, telling yourself, you know, feel like you're telling yourself for doing something wrong. Um, you know, professional learning communities is, is not about necessarily getting everybody doing the exact same thing, uh, but, but working together to, I mean, to make your department and your school and you as an individual teacher make, making you better. Um, you know, I, I hope that when I'm meeting with a group of teachers, regardless of the, of the department, 
that not only are they, you know, are they get some growth out of that, but me as a leader, I hope that I am as well. I mean, I, 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 I consider myself a student all the time. So I, I think professional learning communities is, is just really what it's about is community. I mean, it's about, um, you know, making sure that what is that? You know, one of our mottos here at the school is that, you know, big team, little, uh, you know, big team, little me. So making sure that the team is the focus, making sure that that we're, um, you know, we're all the same team. You know, so it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, it's okay to disagree sometimes. I mean, I think you know, some of our greatest learning moments are when someone challenges or you know questions something that's been said. Absolutely. So. How do you drive that professional learning need? How do you know what the teachers need? How, how do you collect data on, on any of that? We do some needs assessments. Um, we we do a lot of conversations. Uh, we 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 look at you know by department. We look at at performance and we look at patterns of performance. Um, you know, if our focus is going to be on you know specific type of writing and, and you know if, if, if a teacher has an idea that they they want to share. Um, you know, especially if you have someone that came in from a different school, they may have a different a different idea. So, but you know, making those opportunities for them to uh, to share and come up with a with a common decision. Like this is uh, as a department, um, at a minimum, this, these are things that we're going to do. Now, you as an individual teacher have obviously have some some leeway, but at a minimum, this is this is as a department. This is what we're going this is what we're going to do and get accomplished. Now, you may have some individual strategies that you want to try. Um, but I, I would hope that you know those those departments are close enough that that they share those ideas so that um, you know they're not holding on to the good uh, good ideas you know that they're, that they're sharing with others and then others may be able to tell them hey that, that this that'll work if you you know if you make this modification or this change. All right. So if y'all have a school initiative on some professional learning needs that you're going to focus on, or even from the system level, maybe from your district level special education, do you how, and y'all put together an initiative? The last couple of years has been on vocabulary. Okay. Uh, yeah, when, you, when you look at Marzano's uh, vocabulary strategies, we did a lot. We, we, we got every teacher trained in those vocabulary strategies. It, you know, I'm not going to tell you that, that every single step of Marzano's uh, instructional methods are used every single day, uh, but our focus on vocabulary I mean, has been evident, you know, across the board in all of our in all of our classes. Um, and it, you know, it really didn't it didn't require teachers to make these major, you know, earth-shaking changes in, the, in their in their classes. I mean, they, as teachers, we established which vocabulary were essential for for every class. And then you know we, we established a plan to make sure that and assess that those that that vocabulary was taught and that students understood it. So we we we've been monitoring that. Um, we did it as separate vocab as vocabulary assessments. Um, we've now embedded those into our benchmarks. Um, in you know and uh, we, we're we, we've just we've really just got into benchmarks. I know some schools have been doing them for years, uh, but we we've just moved into that benchmark into implementing benchmarks. Uh, here at the high school, so uh, we're, we're, we're revising that. I mean, some of the things we're looking at this year, we're realizing that hey, we need we need to change, you know, when this assessment is given, or we need to change, uh, you know, what uh, you know what content is assessed on that standard. Um, but you know, I would say vocabulary in recent years will be the our big system initiative that we've done, and we we did that across the board. I mean, every I mean, every grade level, we've 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 gone through and we've established the you know what the essential vocabulary is because you know in, in every class. 
it's it's a foreign language. Uh, it's it's like walking into a Spanish class, uh, and when you don't speak Spanish, you've got to learn the vocabulary to be able to speak that you know, to speak that language. When you walk into a chemistry classroom, it is a it's a different language. Um, so you, there's certain there's certain terminology that you must know to be able to communicate effectively. You know, with that, and every math class has very specific terminology that needs you know needs to be learned for that class. So. Um, We've tried to we've tried to identify what that vocabulary is and when it's taught, so that when they when they move on to the next course, that uh, the essential vocabulary they should come into that class knowing you know what, what these terms already mean. Okay, and and one last question here for for professional learning communities is, uh, how did y'all go about monitoring the implementation of those vocabulary strategies that you talked about? Did you just use TEKS or did you use teacher focus walks or did y'all have Specific we walks, walks. Um, and, and, and we we did it through through walkthroughs as well. We 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 not only did those, we we provided feedback to teachers after each observation. Uh, we uh, we did those frequently, and and we also you know some were announced, some were unannounced. Um, you know, it, it was it never was a gotcha kind of thing. Um, and then it, you know, if you walk to a classroom and you didn't see it, then you go back and, and ask why. Um, because sometimes you know, they may have just done a vocabulary lesson that you know ten minutes before I got in the classroom. So you know, you, you know that as well as I do, that's you right. don't see everything in an observation. That, that's that's that is the downfall of just a standardized observation is that you only see what you see you know at that moment that you're in there. So you know, having those communications with teachers, uh, trusting them to to tell you the truth about what's what's working and what's not. You know, what's what's uh, what's great and what's frustrating, um, you, you know, it's, you know, the Marzano strategies were, were a little bit, a little bit challenging for for some teachers. Um, but I love it when a teacher comes back that says, "Hey, I, I really I was resistant." But you know, when I'm when I'm comparing the scores now compared to the score the, you know, the scores of class that I didn't do this in, uh, there's a huge difference. Um, and you know, when she's when, when a teacher says that, I'm like. Say that out loud to everybody. You know, that's uh, you know, encouraging it, uh, making it public. You know, giving giving shout outs to teachers when they're doing a great job. Our, our uh, you know, our assistant principal for teaching and learning is is great about that. When she sees great things, uh, she's great about just sending that out to uh, to other teachers. Say, so, you know, giving a shout out to the teacher gives them a pat on the back as well. Well, it's uh, it's good to hear of your monitoring efforts over there at Bremen because I think principals like us and and all across the state can do a better job of providing the relevance that goes along with professional learning and continuing education. Everybody across all industries has to do continuing education, but when you start to provide the follow-up wraparound services of monitoring and then when you don't see it um, as prevalent as you need to. Schools make a mistake when they try to, I mean, just do earth-shaking changes. Uh, When you have a strong staff, I mean, there may be teachers that do need that, but when you have a strong staff, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, new strategies and, or any changes should be strategic. They should be well planned. They should be uh, thoroughly explained with questions asked. Um, you know, not just to do it, just to be doing it. Uh, that that's a, in education we 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 done that so many times that that you know many teachers are resistant to professional. When they hear professional learning, they they turn their nose up a little bit because you know they just got bad experiences with that. You know, because. They got this blanket training that everybody got that wasn't, you know, wasn't specific to them, and, and it, they didn't see it as important. Um, so, yeah, I think doing a really good job as a leader up front, uh, telling them why we're doing something is is extremely important. Good deal. And finally, the common topic among all of our um, 
podcast guest here is aspiring leadership. So let's dive into a couple of these questions and uh, then right. we'll wrap up for today. What advice would you give a teacher who is considering maybe a move into educational leadership, maybe into an assistant principal role? What, what would you say to that teacher? Um, I would encourage you. I would say it's been rewarding for me. Um, you know, if you are a person that has to have it your way all the time, you're going to struggle in a leadership role. Um, if you are a, a person that that likes to coach someone, uh, that likes to to be the encourager and, and a guide, then you'll be successful. Um, you know, when you, teachers teachers resist they resist leadership when when leadership is dictated to them. Um, but when a, when a leader will come alongside them and, and help them be successful, uh, I think every good teacher wants to to, to even get even better, and they'll. That they really crave feedback uh, from their administrators uh, when it's when it's productive. So, you know, I would say, you know, uh, my advice would be to, I mean, really to, to look for opportunities, look for healthy opportunities. You know, to go into, a, you know, do your homework before you, if you want to apply for an AP job and you're going to be working uh, and you're going to be changing schools, um, look for, um, you know, look for opportunities that, that have a healthy. You can help your leadership in that building already. Uh, you can learn a lot from that. I mean, you obviously can learn a lot from unhealthy leadership too. Things not to do, uh, but those are those are trying times if you get in that if you get in that position. Well, I, I like what you said about the, your quote there about having it your way all the time. Um, that that's a hard lesson for many people to learn. I think I came into this position uh, actually with that notion. And, uh, oh, I think that the teachers at Turner County Elementary School would probably say that I came in with that notion. I mean, and, and I, I, you know, I, I, I owe them all a big thank you and probably an apology at the same time. I, mean, I learned so much uh, during those six years there, um, but I, but I, what I quickly learned is that, that they were the experts in the building and that, that I wasn't. Um, you know, they do, you, you know, it's the saying that our other sister principal always says, you know, if, if something is the way that it is, you ought to ask why before you change it. Uh, I mean, sometimes things are said a certain way, and there's, there's a reason that it's. I mean, somebody's already done their homework, and there's a reason something's done a certain way. So, uh, I, I would say, you know, be observant, uh, ask lots of questions, be supportive, um, you know, look for ways to help them improve, um, but don't try to turn the world upside down in a, in a school uh, and make a drastic change unless a drastic change is needed. I mean, when small when small changes are needed, make those small changes. So let's take that to another level. What, what would you say to an assistant principal who was considering moving into the principal's uh, position? Uh, I have to laugh at myself about that one. Uh, when I was an assistant principal at the high school, at a high school, I, I thought I was doing all the work. Um, you know, I, I really thought that, heck, I'm, I'm the leader of this of this building. Um, I quickly learned when I moved into a principal role that I wasn't near as busy as I thought I was. I mean, I was doing, you know, assistant principal uh, is 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 vital. I mean, an effective assistant principal is vital in a school. Cannot function without them. Uh, they are they are the first hand, and they're, they're the ones. They're the problem solvers for teachers many times. They're the, I mean, they, they're the ones that that get rooms set up and and uh, get work orders turned in, and they they deal with with discipline issues. Those are the ones that that maybe even teachers sometimes see as as uh, leading the the school. Um, but I you know I quickly found out as a as a principal there's so much more involved because you know the principal role you're 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 answering uh to a superintendent uh, who's in turn answering to a school board you're answering uh, to parents and you know you're you're then responsible for the hiring and firing of teachers and uh that and you're 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 ultimately responsible for their growth uh as teachers so uh you know I would say um 
mean, I'm already getting, getting away from the, what the question was, but I, I would, I would definitely, um, definitely say that uh, uh, the role there is, is very different from a from a from a assistant principal moving into a principal role. Um, you can be a you know be a great assistant principal. My advice will be if you're going to be an assistant principal, be a great assistant principal. Always support your uh, your leaders in the building. Always support your teachers. That'll better prepare you to be a great principal. Sure. Um, think about uh, your leadership development. And so, besides uh, your master's degree and and your doctoral degree, did you have any other? leadership development for being a principal kind of like what you're doing for the uh, with GSSA to uh, get some professional learning on being a superintendent was there anything that you did uh, for high school principal Not role? specifically um, I mean I, I, I in the past I've been involved with professional professional organizations but honestly the, the thing that's made the biggest difference for me is is having mentors and I've had some really really good mentors over the years um, you know with uh, you know I've only worked for Three superintendents, but all three of those superintendents would give me a great, you know, a great reference to go somewhere else. I mean, they are actually, I guess, maybe maybe four, maybe four uh, superintendents because there was a change in one of the schools while I was there. But um, you know, the, I've had really, really good mentors. Uh, when I first became an administrator, I would say uh, that, that Mark Peterson, uh, Dr. Dr. Peterson, was a superintendent in uh, Lanier County, and he. You know, he worked me very, very hard, and he gave me a lot of feedback uh, as an administrator. And he put me with a principal that did the exact same thing, and so I, I learned so much from them early on. And and then moved to Turner and and had a superintendent there that that uh, it was really neat because he was my algebra teacher when I was in uh, when I was in the eighth grade, and then when I was in in college when I had math questions, he's still who I called on. So I had him as, as an encourager and a supporter, and, uh, and, and now even in, in Lanier, I'm still learning. Dr. Higgs is, is the same. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he, he, when I'm doing it right, he'll tell me, and when I'm not doing it right, he'll tell me that as well. And uh, yeah, I, I think you know, really just uh, the feedback from that. Uh, I will say that the one thing that helped a lot when I was early an early administrator is that Coastal Plains Risa had. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of support for administrators. They had administrative conferences during the summer. We met monthly as principals from our RISA, and uh, you know we we uh, we grew together doing that. I, I wouldn't say it was a specific leadership program, but there was leadership training that went along with that. And then and then you know above all, you better you better put yourself a network around you of folks that you can call on and ask questions. Well, I'd have to agree with that. I've been to that. Uh summer conference that Coastal Plains Risa puts on and it, it, it's a pretty good one. So you mentioned the importance of mentors. How important do you think it's uh, to be involved in a state association like maybe Gale or GASSP or any other state affiliate that, that we know here in Georgia? If I, if I had a regret, uh, or and I do have a regret, I've got, I've got many of them I guess, but uh, that is one that I've not been involved enough with that. We, we, we do attend Gale. I think it's very important for you, for, for me as an administrator to uh, to network with other administrators, um, I, I'm glad that we are we are doing that. I've not been involved with GASSP like I should. Uh, when I'm done with this with this uh, professional development, this two year program, I, that is one of my goals is to get more involved with our with our professional organizations. Um, you know, they they keep us. You know, you know I, I love the report that we get every month or actually every week from 
from Gail letting us know politically what's going on. I mean, what, what's what's going on that's going to affect education? Um, you know, it, it's, it's evident that we as educators, we need to have a voice uh, with our politicians. And uh, if we don't know what's going on, we don't even know, you know how to have a voice. So uh, that, that has been, you know, over the last year, you know, as I, especially as I've thought about a superintendent role, that is that is one area that I've, I've tried to be more involved with is, uh, is you know, listening to what's what's going on uh, in in the political world that's going to impact, you know, that's going to impact us as as schools and and you know, reaching out to um, to you know to our representatives and you know and voicing concerns, voicing you know voicing things that we wish would happen. Um, you know, uh, it was dual enrollment a few years ago, and and you know there were some changes that were made that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not taking credit for making those changes, but I reached out to a lot of people, uh, and, and you know, and the way things were, were running with some dual I had some concerns there. Uh, obviously, a lot of other people did too, because the governor put a task force together. Uh, I wasn't on the task force, but I was able to contact and talk with all the people that were on it, and, and some changes were made there. So um, I, I think I think people want to hear from us, and you know, that that is something that you know, I'm going to do a better job at is getting involved in our organizations. All right, and that's all our time. So once again, thank you for listening to episode 13 of our first season here on the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, which is a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and for all educators in Georgia. I'm your host, Jim Finch, and I want to thank Dr. Tim Huff. He's the principal at Bremen High School in Bremen, Georgia. So Tim, thank you for definitely letting me know that I'm in last place in the family business when it comes to high school principals. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking with you today. Well, I know you had to take a little break from your busy schedule and I appreciate it. Uh, Tim's topics today were school safety, curriculum assessment, instruction, all things teaching and learning, uh, what it means to be a professional learning community, and of course, uh, some advice for aspiring leaders. So Uh, Tim, thank you for your time today, and at this time, we are signing off. Thanks for listening.